We celebrate Veterans Day on the anniversary of the armistice that ended World War I. The armistice that began on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. The timing of this holiday is quite deliberate in terms of historical fact. But somehow it always seems quite fitting to me that this day comes deep in autumn when the colors are muted and the days seem to invite contemplation. It is, in a way, an odd thing to honor those who died in defense of our country, in defense of us, in wars far away. The imagination plays a trick. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise, but most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything for our country, for us. And all we can do is remember. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. In memory of those who gave the last full measure of devotion, may our efforts to achieve lasting peace gain strength. Let us make a vow to our dead. Let us show them by our actions that we understand what they died for. Strengthened by their courage, heartened by their value, and born by their memory, let us continue to stand for the ideals for which they lived and died. This is Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 24-7, and this is our very special edition to honor our veterans today who have suffered so much through these years and are reaching a point where, in the current culture, they are not loved and appreciated. You know, Abraham Lincoln said, a country that does not honor its heroes cannot long endure, and we want to remember them today. In the long history of the world, only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. I do not shrink from this responsibility. I welcome it. I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. All right, Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. That was the voice of the last voice was President John F. Kennedy, who himself was shot down, or not shot down, but he found himself in the sea trying to survive after a crash uh, from the PT boats, which he served on in World War II. Uh, He was a hero in the war, and he became our president. The first was President Ronald Reagan. We're going to honor the men who have served us today on this show. Bruce will join me shortly and we'll have a really good discussion of why we should honor the people that have served us. But first, of course, a preborn makes this possible. 
Preborn, by doing the great work that they do, makes it possible for us to bring you a show like this where all of us will enter in into just remembering, and we will appreciate and love, and we will do, I believe, what God would have us do, and that's honor the service of people uh, who have sacrificially served this nation. Well, people who are in the business of saving babies make sacrifices too. They are another sort of people that we need to honor. In fact, some of you are those people. And so Preborn, as you know, provides an ultrasound for women who find themselves in crisis pregnancy. They go in the inner cities and the worst areas and uh, bring these ultrasounds so that mothers of all colors and stripes and all economic conditions and uh, can, can see their baby in their womb live and will make the decision for life. You know, war is all about death, uh, and it has to be. But it's possible because of their sacrifice that we can save lives here. It's part of why we understand why life is precious, because warriors give their lives, as Jesus did, by the way. Uh, It's not the same because he died to save our sins. Nevertheless, it's a sacrifice of life for a greater cause. And so um, we want to help preborn to do that for mothers who are in these confused pregnancies. And if you'd like to help, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Well, you know all of the ways you can listen to Sandy Rios 24-7, and I'm not going to belabor that right now. SandyRios.com is a great place for you to go. And so we'll just leave it at that because I want to get right in to the show. Sit back and relax and be challenged by today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I say your name. I you solemnly swear. To support and defend. The Constitution of the United States. Against all enemies. Foreign and domestic. And to bear true faith. And allegiance to the same. Then I will obey. The orders of. The President of the United States. And the orders of. Those officers officers appointed over me me according to regulations regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. Sandy Rios with you. I've asked my husband, Bruce, to join me. Bruce is a former FBI agent. Uh, We both have fathers who served in World War II. We're going to talk to you a a little bit about that, but a lot of other things, too. What you just heard is uh, Marines being sworn in to serve their country. And Bruce, I was just thinking, I honestly, I was just thinking about our dads. 
Uh, and I was just thinking about them being young the way they were. Your dad was, how long? How old was your dad? Uh, he was 18. He had just left high school. Yeah, and mine was uh, 20. Uh, when they took an oath, very similar. I don't know, the oath of each service is probably slightly different. What, what do you think? Or is it the same from service branch to service branch? Well, the, the important things that are in everyone's oath is defending, the, supporting and defending the, the Constitution and against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And Yeah, what? yeah. so no, but those two things, and I think that's very important. In fact, that overlaps the oath you took in the FBI, right? Same themes. Yeah, we did. Um, we did not take one to the uh, to the president or to the commanders, but we did take one to uphold and defend the Constitution. And again, against all enemies, um, we primarily dealt with people here in the United States. But if if someone from another country was doing something here, we we were sworn to protect the country against and them. Let me ask you, what did that oath mean to you when you took it, Bruce? You know, I remember it was very, very solemn because we actually took it twice. We took it the very first day we went to training school. But that was sort of an unofficial one because you still had to make it through the school. And when we finished, 100 days later, I remember raising our hands. And it was really, to me, a solemn moment because not just the words themselves, but to think about all the people that have taken that oath whether it be law enforcement, military, um, government members, that oath is sacred. And no matter how many times it's taken or by how many people, it is, it is individualistic and it is a promise to God that you will do your duty. Yes, and, uh, and so I, I want to state that because I think we live in a day where people don't know anything. They don't care about oaths. They maybe swear them before a court, but words are cheap. And promises are cheap. And so I want people to get a vision of what that really meant. And, you know, I think of, uh, I don't want to get on a, a sidetrack with this, but I think of the group Oath Keepers who have now been slandered after January 6th. But the very idea of it is that you keep your oath, even if you're t- retired, whatever you're in, you keep that oath. And I think you feel that way too, Bruce, uh, that you keep that oath until you die. Yeah, I, it's to me it's a shame that that uh, term Oath Keeper has been bastardized. Yes. Yep. Oath keeper, even in the Bible, you keep your oath. Your oath is your word. Your word is your bond, and your bond, really, you swear with your life uh, to keep. And now, uh, because a group that the current administration doesn't like goes by the name Oath Keepers, it's been slandered. Yeah, really. It's like, yeah, but so so that's why we're, we're that's just why this show. This is why this show and this discussion, because we're trying to remind people where the plumb line of truth is, what is and what isn't, and how important your word is, and how many men, millions, thousands, uh, have kept that oath through all of our wars. Now, we're speaking particularly today of veterans. Bruce, give us us an idea of the scope of uh, the veterans we have in this country. Well, throughout our history, there, we've been involved in 12 major conflicts, and of course people serve both during times of conflict and during times of peace. Um, we've had almost 42 million people serve this country um, during wartime. And right now we have approximately 22 million living veterans. And uh, if you think about that, that's such a small number considering all the people that have served over the years, that we, we only have 22 million. Really, we're, 
Uh, and and just to finish that out, you know, during that time, we've had a million and a half people that were wounded. We've had almost a million and a half people that have been killed in these conflicts. And when you uh, when you think about the people that are still alive, um, really, it's a small number of people that do a huge job for us. Yes, and especially now where people don't serve. Our young people are not serving, and they, they can't even comprehend. And most of our members of Congress have never served at this point, and it's really strange because it used to be just the opposite. And, you know, you can really see a difference in people now that they are not serving. And one of my biggest regrets is that I never did go into the military. Um, it was sort of a timing thing with me. When I became 18, Vietnam was ending, and the military was drawing down. Um, they were getting rid of people. And I remember going into the recruiter and speaking to them, and really they wanted six years service if you were really going to make it any kind of a career. And I remember thinking, I'm 18 years old, like, wow, that's a third of my life. <laughs> and I just thought, you know what, I think I'm going to go to college. But even all these years later, I look back and I'm, I think, especially now that I've, I've worked with many people that served in the military, that I wish I would have just even gone in for two years just to, to have the experience and to serve my country the way they have. Well, you know, I, that makes me think of Israel, Bruce, and since they're in the news, the conflict is so great there. Uh, I think most people have heard or by now recognize that everyone serves in the Israeli military, and it's women and men. Uh, and they do two years, and then, of course, they're on reserve because, uh, you know, there are conflicts like the current one. Uh, and so what happens is we've been there to see this. Young people love their country. They understand the sacrifice to save. They're the ones lining up. They're the ones going over in the, in the Gaza tunnels right now. They're young. They're not old people. And um, they have an appreciation and love and enthusiasm for their country that we've lost. We used to have that uh, because I think people did serve. And, you know, I can speak from experience um, what's happened in this country because obviously we grew up when Walter Cronkite and Huntley and Brinkley and the various news teams were nightly bringing us the news from Vietnam. And as the war went on, they really threw our guys under the bus. They started vilifying our military, uh, making it sound like they were a bunch of murderers and people like that, and, I ha- and, and drug users. I mean, whatever negative spin they could put on our servicemen, they never talked about how brave they were or what a good job they were doing. They always talked about the negatives. And I have to admit, that affected me. And I sort of had a bad opinion. I had a great opinion about the World War II guys, because my dad was one, and I saw him every day how he was. But I wasn't really around the Vietnam guys, even though I had three cousins that that served over there. So I go into the FBI, and guess who the leaders were? Guess who the guys were that when you needed something done, you looked to them? The Vietnam vets, whether they be the pilots, the leaders of the SWAT teams, things like that, those were the guys that... When the stuff hit the fan, that's who you wanted in command. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, let me speak to that because I think it's happening now. 
I was, you know, I'm a little, I can, can I confess publicly that I'm older than you are? You so, are? Oh, okay. <laughs> I know it's a shock, but, uh, but uh, the, the Vietnam War, um, I remember very, very distinctly Walter Cronkite on CBS News. Walter Cronkite on CBS News. We didn't, at that time, newsmen were, were not allowed. Uh, this was the standard of delivering news was that you didn't ever show your opinion. You delivered the facts to the people. And, and you really, like Fox says, we deliver, you decide. Well, that used to be the way it was. Uh, we thought, we thought. I would say you mentioned Huntley, Brinkley. They were pretty fair. Uh, and there was another one. You know, there were only three networks at the time, by the way. We all watched pretty much the same news sources. But uh, Walter Cronkite uh, would, every, would start every evening broadcast during Vietnam 54 body bags being brought out of the... I mean, every night it was how horrible. That's what he majored on. Uh, and I watched this, and I it was very depressing and sad because that was my generation, people that I knew serving there. But I learned much later. Actually, I didn't know this, so I went to be president of Concerned Women for America, and we were working on an abortion, uh, a pro-life uh, movie, that Walter Cronkite was a closet leftist. He was anti-war. He was pro-abortion. Uh, he's the one who talked about the coat hanger abortions every night, which was completely made up. Not that nobody ever did that, but the numbers were completely fabricated. I can go into that at a later date. But Walter Cronkite hated the war, and he had an agenda, and we never knew. And so the poison was spread. And I think we find that now, too, Bruce, with all of our veterans who have served in the Iraq and, and Afghanistan wars are being besmirched. Uh, the public uh, treasury has been drained, and there's, they're, they're not being taken care of, and nobody cares because they never served. Well, you know, that is one of the big tragedies of the last 20-some years is that while we had many troops deployed, Iraq, Afghanistan, many other countries in the Middle East, very few people thought of them other than their, their families. And you know, those deployments in those countries were very, very uniquely tough. Uh, it was somewhat like being in Vietnam. Uh, I was over in Afghanistan, and I'm telling you, you're surrounded all day long by people you don't know who their allegiance is to. Because whether you're on a base, a military base, or in the embassy grounds, there are locals that the State Department hires to do work inside those compounds. And I'll guarantee you, a lot of those people aren't on our side. And what they're doing is they're getting intelligence for the bad guys. Um, you, you, you remember we had some training ac tra accidents, training where like firearms was being taught to, say, Afghan soldiers, and they turned on our guys and shot them on the yes, range. I remember that well. And so Terrible. it's... And, Another thing about these, a lot of these guys and women that went to Iraq and Afghanistan is they went multiple times. They didn't just go for a year or two. Many of them went six, eight years. Think about that. And the thing is, when you're in one of these deployments, you are, as I said, you are constantly in danger because there's people around you. Uh, you're in these compounds that are surrounded by enemy people. Uh, and, you know, mortar attacks, IEDs, things like that. You're going outside the wire, that's what they call it, uh, inside the wire, you're 
fairly safe, but uh, outside the wire, you're not safe at all. And these people did this time after time, and they came back home. And, you know, I have to say, I see very little deference to them or thanks to them. And their families. Uh, So that's, uh, you know, well, this is an awareness show today. We're going to get into some other things, but I also want to add to that, since we started with the last war, actually, uh, that there are many, many men serving time in prison because under our radical left government, beginning with Barack Obama, they ended up charging these men with murder for what they did in combat. It's absolutely horrendous. I did an entire show on this with Colonel Bull Gerfin of United American Patriots. And today, as we talk about remembering our veterans, uh, we need to remember those guys. They, I have to tell you from my own perspective, and I, I've covered this more than that one show, uh, that they were so maltreated. Can you imagine that now, that they wouldn't get a fair dealing in court? Now you can imagine it, right? Uh, and they had their defense was, it was just so unfair. And so they're languishing for life. Uh, in uh, in Leavenworth, and so we, uh, I want to bring to your attention this AmnestyForWarriors.com. AmnestyForWarriors.com. It's a, an effort uh, being made by several people. Uh, one of them is a, a woman who's a, a part of the RNC. She's the head of the Louisiana Republican State Central Committee, Suzanne White. Uh, and so, if you go to AmnestyForWarriors.com, you can see their stories. And um, they're trying to get people to call their congressmen and help get these guys out. We actually released all the Afghan warriors who were in prison for killing Americans. They've all been released, uh, but not the Americans. And so that's another set of uh, veterans we need to remember. You understand that we could not do this without financial support and that I don't want people supporting us unless I believe their, their endeavors are really worthy, like Reborn. And that's why we've added another one, Christian Healthcare Ministries. You've heard me talk about this. Uh, this is a very different way for you to cover your medical uh, needs. It's not insurance. And you know what? That's actually a good thing. I recognize that we're just hardwired. Insurance, insurance, that's all we've ever known. Uh, be, be depend, you know, it comes from employment. It comes from government. It comes from whatever you have. Uh, it comes from you know, Medicare, Medicaid. But um, this is a different way of providing for your family. It's a pooled resource of other Christian families. Uh, They actually have a prayer page on their website uh, to pray for people in catastrophic illnesses. It was begun by a pastor who was in a catastrophic accident. His wife was killed, his child was killed, and he had no money. And so he asked for help. Uh, This is, I believe, in the 80s, and maybe there was, I don't think there was email, but he had mailing lists. And people just poured out their help and provided for him and his family. And he thought to himself, could this work on a larger scale? And that's how Christian Healthcare Ministry started. And they are the largest in the country. They're in all 50 states. Uh, they deal in, you know, billions of dollars of care for people. So if you, I think you should check this out. Uh, um, it's chministries.org slash Sandy. That's chministries.org slash Sandy, and you can find, um, you know, find out what it's all about, a little bit more understanding, and if it would work for your family, and if it's a good choice for you to make. So that's chministries.org slash Sandy. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. 
the questions that uh, floats around is whether abortion is racist. And I, abortion is racist. In this country, it is. I, I don't think it is racist in Russia or other areas. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, not in China. They just uh, don't want to have you know people to have many babies, and so they don't care about life. But in this country, uh, Planned Parenthood was really born in the eugenicist movement, meaning that they, their founder, Margaret Sanger, believed that there were superior races. Uh, some that, and there were others that were weeds, human weeds that needed to be destroyed. And that was the black and brown race. That is the roots of Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is the largest provider of abortions in the country. So, yeah, abortion is racist in this country. And so with that in mind, uh, we want to stop this. Of course, there are plenty of white moms who go in and are happy to, for whatever reason, to uh, turn, them, turn themselves over to a surgeon, an abortionist, to remove their baby. We're trying to stop that. We're trying to, doesn't matter what color women are to people that are trying to save babies. Uh, they come in, moms are moms, you know. Did you notice that? People are people, no matter what their color. Amazing, what a thought. Yeah, so when moms go in and they're confused about, they're thinking about an abortion, preborn provides ultrasounds for them so that they can actually see the baby in their womb. And most women change their mind when they do that. You know all of this. Many of you have already given very generously. So I just want to remind you uh, to go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And make your most generous donation. It's the veterans, not the reporters, who give us freedom of the press. It's the veterans, not the poets, who give us freedom of speech. It's veterans, not political organizers, who give us the freedom to assemble. It's veterans, not lawyers, who give us the freedom to a fair trial. It's veterans, not politicians, who give us the freedom to vote. And it is veterans, not preachers, who give us the freedom to worship publicly. So on behalf of a grateful nation, thank you. All right, Sandy Rios, back with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. That was Pastor Rick Warren. What a wonderful, wonderful thing for us to reflect on on this uh, celebration of our veterans today in this special edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. You know, Bruce, uh, my husband Bruce is with me. Bruce, I was, I've been going through the closets, as you know, doing this cleaning that I do. And I can't, we've, because you and I have kind of merged lives, there's a lot of things that I've never seen that's yours and you've never seen that's mine. It's kind of a time of discovery. And I, I came across this beautiful but old framed certificate for Walter Rather, a bronze star winner, our award recipient from World War II. And I thought about your dad, your dad, who we all, we still talk about him so much, your dad, Wally Rather. Uh, but I would love for you to tell people uh, why he got that bronze star. Could you do that? Well, there was a couple things. Um, he, was, uh, he was in a mortar team, and uh, he was with his best friend that he met in, in uh, basic training, and they were... Uh, they were in the woods uh, facing the Germans. The Germans were in the woods across. There was an open area, and then the Americans were in the woods on the other side. And because a mortar has to shoot up in, into the air, uh, my dad and his friend Gettler were in a foxhole out in front uh, 
of the American side. And they're, uh, they're shooting at the Germans. You know, they're both like 19 years old. It's Battle of the Bulge. It's freezing. And the Germans start returning fire with their own mortars. And my dad and Gettler are in a foxhole, and a, a shell hits in front of them and goes off. And then another shell comes right behind their hole and goes off. And they looked at each other, and they said, you know, the next one's going to come right into our hole. We have to get out of here. And they jumped up and ran back towards the American lines. My dad said, you know, he had his, he didn't have his jacket closed, so his jacket's flapping. He had his 45 pistol on his hip. That wasn't tied down. It's flapping. And the bullets, he, he could hear the bullets going right past his ears. And when he got back to the hole, or back to the American side, Gettler wasn't there, and what had happened is uh, as soon as they jumped up to retreat to the, to the American side, Gettler was shot and killed by the Germans. And um, later that day, uh, they were in additional combat, and somebody was wounded, and it didn't look like they were going to make it, and my dad and another guy took a wooden door off of a, off of a house and made it into a, a, a makeshift uh, litter or stretcher, and carried the guy like a mile back to the to the uh, medical facilities and saved his life. And it was just a combination of things. He had his feet frozen while they, you know, like many of them did in the Battle of the Bulge because they had bad, they had bad boots. And I'm not sure exactly because he never told me. I'm not sure exactly what incident he was awarded that for, but. I can tell you he didn't talk to me about this stuff until he was into his 80s. He lived to be 88, and just for whatever reason. And I was interested. I had asked him about, what did you do in the war, Dad? He'd never tell me. And, uh, you know, I think that's typical of many of the people from that age. You know, I don't think we have any idea what so many of these people went through. I was talking to one of my cousins the other day who was a three- uh, he served in Vietnam for three tours, and we were talking about his dad, my Uncle Joe, who I absolutely loved. My Uncle Joe was the nicest man, and uh, I had no idea. He was in the Army Air Corps. He was a tail gunner in a B-17. That's the, that's the most dangerous position in the plane. It's in the rear of the plane. He did 17 combat missions over Germany, and they had to ditch their plane in the English Channel not once but twice because they had been, you know, damaged by German fighters or aircraft, uh, anti-aircraft. And I never knew that. I, I never even knew my uncle had served in combat. And, you know, we have people that now, I think medical people recognize much more what you call post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Uh, back in World War II, I think it was called shell shock, World War One. they called it shell shock. But, you know, you, you think about the transition these people had to make. You're in high school. You graduate. You go into the service. You get sent overseas. You see people killed. You kill people. You see civilians ravaged. You see all this stuff. And then they send you home. And now you're supposed to, you know, the, the, the mantra after World War II is, the, the, you know, uh, the baby boomers. 
and everything was great. Everybody had a car, everybody had a house, you're having families. And I don't think that these guys ever were able to process what they went through because, you know, our attitudes were much different then. It was like, oh, come on, be a tough guy. It's over. Don't, you know, that was the past. Don't worry about it. But I don't think we ever have any idea what so many of these people went through. Well, and that's why we're remembering. They deserve, you know, it's like when Abraham Lincoln stood over Gettysburg and said they gave the last full measure, and we we can never forgive them. What do you say? We'll never, the, uh, this hallowed ground, this hallowed ground where they gave their, the last full measure of their devotion to this country. We should not forget that, and I, that's why we're doing this today. And, it, it, you know, your dad, your fa- your grandfather also served in World War One. With me, my father was in Patton's Third Army. He was an engineer building uh, building bridges, bridges right. so that uh, the people could get across these rivers or supplies. And he, uh, he, I remember he ended up telling me, and I wrote down several of the things that happened to him. He was 20 years old, uh, right after Pearl Harbor. That's when he went in the service. He had a child, my, my sister. And, um, you know, he was... He was a farm boy. He worked in the oil field when they had called him, didn't have an education, couldn't because they had to survive then. They worked hard. And so he's building bridges, and he, I remember he told us once they were on a, a river on a boat uh, right in the center, and the Germans were on one side shooting, and the Americans were on the other side of the river shooting at the Germans, and they were caught in the crossfire, and how frightening that was. And then once he told me about being on a transport, uh, one of those army transport trucks where they're up high and they're sitting sideways in the back and there's a flap in the, in the opening and they see a, a German plane coming down to strafe their convoy. And uh, my dad said, you know, guys on either side of him were killed and he survived. Uh, so there were, there's, they were just young boys. As Rick Warren said, they were not mature men with white hair, proudly, you know, riding on a horse or whatever. These were boys who made these choices. And I believe, you know, when you think about, Bruce, what you just described, yes, the 50s in America were an idyllic time where there was freedom. People were euphoric because there was no more war. The men came home and they started families and they were able to get jobs. They were The GI Bill was established and they were able to get educations and um, and people started back in church, and families were strong. And it's because, because of what they did, the pi- price they paid, both on the battlefield and then their emotions later. And this is why we honor them today. And um, and you know, there's there's many people that you'll never know that they were even in the service. Uh, you know, we've actually forgotten about some wars. You know, Korea, so few people know anything about Korea. And the bravery that was displayed by people in, in Korea is amazing. It's one of my favorite memorials in D.C. The yeah. Korean War Memorial it's, is breathtaking. It's haunting. Beautiful, yes. It's, it's guys on patrol, yeah. and you can and the way they've sculpted it, you can just see the stress on their yeah. face and the danger. Yeah. But um, I, I think we do need to remember what Pastor Rick Warren said about these freedoms that these people have preserved for us. Um, Because it's not from politicians. It's from people that are willing to stand in the gap and do their duty. 
And freedom is the heart of God. It's planted it in all men. Uh, it's just part of our DNA that we want to be free. And uh, just, I was just, Bruce and I were just talking about that uh, young black uh, basketball player that was incarcerated in Russia and how she had such a bad attitude about the country before she went. She said a lot of things that were very offensive to us. Uh, she goes over there and does not honor her country there. And, and what I think it was a drug issue. And boy, she came back with a different idea because freedom, the lack of freedom changes you. That's why we have to have soldiers. That's why we have to have men who will serve and women too now. And that's what keeps the freedom. So um, we wanted to honor those men and women who've served on this day, Veterans Day, and wanted to bring this to you. I appreciate your uh, staying with us. I hope you enjoyed it. You might want to share it with your friends today so that they can remember too. I want to remind you that this is Sandy Reels 24-7. You can call us at 662 821 2040-662-821-2040. I want to thank our sponsors, Christian Healthcare Ministries and Preborn. Uh, so we are so grateful to them for all their help. It's preborn.com slash Sandy and chministries.org slash Sandy. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and all those places. Rumble. Uh, you can find us at our home base, AFR.net, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and you can go sandyrios.com uh, to hear the show or see, you know, maybe read other things about what we're doing. So thank you so much. We want to thank each and every one of you who have served this country. God bless you and keep you and God bless America. And Lord, thank you for making all of this possible. Sandy Rios on today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.